everybody know it. Say what we started a series last week, kind of the most unusual holiday season series that I have personally ever done. We've been talking about life, hope, with money in the middle of it. And I think it's important to talk about life and money because both of these things create an enormous amount of anxiety in people, especially around the holiday season. You know what I mean? I think about, I think about what the Word of God says concerning our lives. I know that it's the will of God for us to live in peace. Matter of fact, the Bible says that He'll give us a peace that passes understanding. In other words, He'll give us the kind of peace that when you have it, People don't understand, and maybe even you don't understand. How can I be peaceful in this circumstance? The Bible also says that there is an unspeakable joy in God, a joy that can't really be explained. And so as we go into the holiday season, it's a, it's a season of, of um, an enormous amount of anxiety for a lot of people. Matter of fact, years ago, I, I have tried my best to find this. I can't find the lyrics anywhere. Can't find the song. I was involved in a, in, in a singing group. As I think that's, uh, we actually, we called it the Hope Singers. This kind of was the name of it. We sang in our church. And we did, we did um, events. We did singing events. And... Uh, one of those uh, events uh, of, of that particular year was um, a Christmas party, a Christmas banquet-type situation where the Hope Singers were singing. And, and I'll never forget the particular song we sang. Uh, I remember the first lines. And this is the thing I can't believe. I Google it. I've searched it. I cannot find the song. I have no idea what the name of the song is. Uh, but the very first lines of that song went... Hurry, scurry, panic, worry, shove, joy to the world. And that's just about the way it is. You know, it, it, it went on to say hustle, rustle, muscle, bustle, push, peace and goodwill. And the whole song was kind of encapsulating the insanity of this particular season as it comes to commercialism, as it comes to uh, obligations, and all of these things that, that, that we're trying to do. And so, I mean, we thought as pastoral team, it'd be a great time for us to talk about life and also talk about money. But in the midst of that, talk about hope, that, that, that there's, more, there's more going on in the Word of God for you concerning this than perhaps you, you even knew. God wants you to rest in peace. Matter of fact, um, Haggai 1, 5, and 7 is our key verses now. This is what the Lord Almighty says. How many of you want to listen if the Lord Almighty's talking, right? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. I mean, something in that automatically says to me that if I don't want to live in the hurry, scurry, panic, worry, shove if I do want to land somewhere in the joy to the world, that I need to give careful thought to my ways. All right? Then, then it goes on to say, You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but
but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And then the law of second mention comes raging back at us. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And I think the thing that is so striking to me is that in giving careful thought to our ways when it comes to life, when giving careful thought to our ways when it comes to finances is extremely important if we want to live better than, than, than this verse is saying we will live otherwise. That, that, that you plant, but you don't really harvest. You eat, but you never really have enough. You drink, but you never are, are filled. You, you put on clothes, but you're, but you're cold all the time. You earn wages, but, but, but the, the money you earn seems to just be falling out and spilling out on the ground. And, and God is screaming at us that there is a better way, that God's way is better than living like that. That living is hurry, scurry, panic, worry, shove. And, and hopefully, somewhere in all of that, we might find joy to the world. Now, I stressed last week that when it comes to these things, it, it, it's... It's not just about our doing. It is about our thinking, our attitude. Our attitude about money, our attitude about possessions, our attitude about people. I had a friend that, that uh, pastored a church, and he was a very eccentric man. You would, you would very eccentric, and... And um, he was telling the story about how that he was pastoring a group of people and he was very frustrated with the... Uh, now, y'all don't think a pastor ever gets frustrated, right, about people. Well, you know, you're going to find out, keep leaving them blank connection cards on the... Anyway. <laughs> he, was fr- he was frustrated pastoring people. And, and his name was Lee. And, and he's frustrated. He says, I was praying to Jesus and I said to Jesus, Jesus... It is people, people, people. I am sick of people. And Jesus said to me, but you are a people too. And you are a people too. And, and, and there's something about an attitude, even about the people in our lives. I think that he had, he, uh, the Lord was trying to tell him to slip out of his bad attitude about people. And I think that, 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 that something captivates our heart and captivates our attention when God says, hey, give careful thought. To how you're doing this. Have careful thought to your ways. Understand that your attitude has so much to do with this. Matter of fact, it is said, and this is a scary statistic, 60% of divorces list money issues as one of the causes people split. Stress. Stress over finances. I know those of you that have gone through uh, pre-marriage counseling me before you tied the knot. We, we talk a lot about that. Talk about you, 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 there are stressors in life that, that you can exasperate. You can make these stressors worse if you're not careful. Give careful thought to your ways. You know, I really thought today I was going to come in here and talk about the dangers of debt. But I mean, ultimately, I've come out to talk about the way out. The way out. We'll say that not all debt is bad, but for many people, we have fallen into a debt cycle that seems absolutely hopeless. 
And I'll tell you, I mean, I, I do have a pet peeve that many times when preachers talk about money, they talk about give more and do more without ever really showing people a way out. I am convinced that most people are not stingy. They are just strapped. They need help. And I feel like we need to help you first, help you find freedom. Why? Because God wants you to be generous. God created us to be generous. There is something on the inside of every one of us that wants to be a giver. I mean, I think that's why, and I know that, that, that consumerism has, has taken a hold of the Christmas season by the throat, but the reality of it is, man, I just love giving gifts. There's there just something about the heart of God within every one of us that God has created us to be givers, and when, when we get ourselves in a situation where we're not able to be generous, we feel hopeless and we feel trapped and I want to give us hope. And I want to give us freedom. I really do feel like that's a part of my job. It's, it's important. Why? Because the Word of God stresses that it's important. I mentioned last week, and I, I'll say it again, there are five times more scriptures about finances and possessions than there are about prayer. And we all know how important prayer is. But yet the scripture talks more about What's your attitude toward money? What's the attitude toward finances? What's going on with your treasure? Where is your treasure? 16 out of 38 parables deal with possessions and finances. 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables. Jesus spoke much more about about finances than he did about heaven or hell. And yet we'll get up on candy sticks there. Yet we shy away as churches to speaking about this and we allow people to fall into a cycle of debt because we're not, we're not showing them a way out. And I really desperately want to show you a way out because God wants all of us to find freedom. I mean, you talk about debt for a second. You, we, we, have a, we have some weird things going on in our generation that p- generations past didn't. I am old enough to remember a weird practice that you would do at Kmart or, or the Five and Dime or um, wherever. We had this really weird practice. See, you would go in there and you would really want that item. Like, let's just say it's a washing machine. And you really wanted that washing machine. You needed a new washing machine, but you didn't have enough money to pay for it. And credit cards weren't as popular then, and stores weren't offering same as cash, except it's not really same as cash, because like 85% of people that do same as cash actually don't pay it off in time, and then they owe not only the current interest, they owe back interest at 21%. Now, I'm not going to stand up and, and, and act like, like, like I've never done same as cash, but I will tell you this. If you're going to do same as cash, you've got to have a plan to get it paid for before that six months is through. And if you don't go into it with the plan, you're in trouble. Well, got quiet in the room. I was thinking last night. I was thinking last night as as we were sitting around um, the kitchen table playing a game called Farkle. 
that I remember when we bought that kitchen table, it pretty much cost us everything we had for a kitchen table because we were broke and we, were, we, and we became even more strapped. But we had a house and we had no furniture in the house. And so we bought a master bed. I'm not lying to you. We bought a master bed, one chair, and a kitchen table. And all of these years, that is still our kitchen table. I'm like, I'm like, we still have this same table with all of its stains and all of its scratches and all of its dents with farkle dice. We still have this. You know what? If I were a millionaire, and if you guys want to pray that on me, I would appreciate it greatly. <laughs> so pray, pray it on me. But if I were, I don't think I would, I really don't think I would, I'm ever going to get another kitchen table. That $300 kitchen set that we bought at Mathis Brothers before they were really big. How many of y'all remember Mathis Brothers when they were in the place over there where the shirt place is now? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Over there off Memorial. Some of you are looking at me like, God, he's old. But anyway, no, we, we used to, we used to, you know, you got to, you got to get that. You got, you have to get something in your heart to say, no, wait a minute. How do I want to deal with all of this? We used to go into a store and you'd want that washing machine and you said, boy, I really want that. Can I put $20 down? And they'd work out a thing called, oh, some of you are old as I am. They'd work out a thing called layaway. All right? Now, the young people are looking at us saying, lay what now, huh? But let me tell you how layaway worked. You say you wanted the washing machine, pretend. You say you want the washing machine, but you can't pay for it. So they're going to say this, well, if you'll put $20 down and you'll pay $20 a month for the next five months, because washing machines were cheaper, for five months, then at the end of that, we're going to put, for those five months, we're going to put your washing machine in its box in storage. And then when you make the last payment, you get a brand new washing machine delivered to your house. Now, this is how people think they ought to do it today. I want it now. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rack up debt on it so I can take it home today. The problem is, long after you're through using it, you're still paying for it. Well, praise God. When you finally pay it off, you need another one. Is anybody in the house? There's difference between what is called consumer debt... And what was called layaway. Back in our days, you say, Pastor, why are you bringing this up right before Christmas? Because if we're not careful, our thought pattern on how we're supposed to do things like that will get us in a place where we feel trapped and strapped. We end up paying for stuff that we we no longer even use. It's broke. I've seen people give things away that they were still praying credit cards to pay for. Give them away. Here you go. There it goes. You'll go buy another one. Huh? Say, man, this is the craziest sermon I've ever heard in my life. 
a problem with consumer debt that you still have the debt, but you don't have the thing anymore. And it causes people to get very depressed. It causes people to, to not find freedom in their life. And you, you know, I'll be honest with you, people will do stuff like that even in relationships. It's not just about money. It is about life that if we're not careful, if we don't give careful thought to our ways, we'll find ourselves in very destructive patterns. And I really want to bring your attention concerning this to the parable of the prodigal son. The parable of the prodigal son. We're going to go to Luke 15 here in a moment, but let me give you the background on the story if you don't know it. The prodigal son is a parable that Jesus told to a very Jewish crowd who would understand the nuances of what he was about to say. But the son is a, the story, rather, is about two sons, about a younger son and an older son who, who were in line to receive a 50-50 inheritance from their father. Now, the deal about this is, is how many of you will know that in most circumstances, especially in a biblical in, uh, culture and time, that... You didn't get the inheritance until daddy died. Are y'all flowing with me? I mean, in order for you to get the inheritance, somebody had to die. All right? Well, this younger son, who was filled with whatever that happened to him in his life, got it in his heart that he wanted his inheritance now. He didn't want to wait for the dad to die. He wanted it now. He was living the Chase credit card queen collaboration commercial. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. I want it now. And he goes to his father and he says, he says, I want my portion now. Now the Jewish audience would have been stunned by this. Number one, the lack of respect. The young man is literally saying to his dad, I don't love you, I don't care for you, I only want what you can give me, and as far as I'm concerned, you are dead to me. All right? Much more shocking to the Jewish crowd was the fact that the father did it. That for whatever reason, the father split the inheritance at that moment and gave that younger son his portion of the inheritance for that younger son to collect it all up in whatever camel caravan he had to have had and trotted himself out of the country into a foreign land. The Bible says in most translations that he spent his money. He began to spend his inheritance on riotous living. I don't know exactly what riotous living is, but it's probably not good. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so the, the young man just starts living it up. And he was surrounded by people. And he was surrounded by friends. And hey, everybody liked him because the dude had money. So it was that we find him in Luke 15, 14, where we're going to pick the story up. The Bible says here that after he had spent everything, oh, goodness gracious, alive. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Here is a guy that at one point had everything. All he needed to do was be patient and wait, and, and in due time, he would receive, 
his portion of the inheritance. But no, he wanted it all. He wanted it all. He wanted it all. He wanted it now. He couldn't wait. Dad, you're as good as dead to me. Give it to me now. But now we find him in this foreign country. And the Bible says he spent everything and began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country Oh, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. Now let me tell you, pigs are a big no-no in, you know what I'm saying? In a Jewish culture, a pig is a no, is, is not a good thing. I mean, I'm talking about that original Jew, Jewish audience probably went, oh, pigs. They probably even one or two of them that like gag reflex. Pigs. But no, but, but no, it gets worse than that. It gets worse than that because not only is he feeding the pigs, but he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. This dude is so much in need, he's ready to eat pig slop. Do I have any farmers in the house? I mean, I, I, I'm from the big city, all right? But I'll tell you what, we went to Bonware ever so often, and they slopped the pigs. I don't want to eat what pigs eat. But he was so in need, and he was such in a dark place that... that, 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 that that he even considered eating the pig's food. And then it says, but no one gave him anything. He, he spent everything. And then it says, There's a, there was a famine in the land. Can I tell you that he found himself in a very dark place and we don't have to, we don't have to accept the fact that that's our plight. Even if there's a famine in the land, there's a way out in God. I mean, I'm not even here to say that sometimes famines, you know, there, there are many situations in our lives where famines might even work in our favor. So we find this young man trying a natural solution, what would be naturally expected of him. He went to hire himself out. He, he went to try to dig himself out of the hole. But I want you to understand something. God said, take careful thought. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to it. You see, this young man had a natural solution and we can all go after natural solutions and and we can find some level of help there, but not the kind of help that God has prepared for us. What we need to do is align ourselves with God's solution. What is God's way? Because God's way is always better. So before we can understand how to get out, we have to understand how he got in because the way out In order to understand the way out, we have to understand how we got in because the way out and the way in are kind of on the same plane. The first step in the prodigal progression, what I'm talking about today, the prodigal progression, the first step is that he believed something that was not true. He believed that satisfaction would come by going ahead and getting the inheritance. He felt like my whole life will be great. Everything in my life will be fixed if I'll just go ahead and get everything right now. Let me just hoard it all in on myself right now. I want it all. I want it now. And, and that's going to solve every problem in my life. But, but it was a lie. And can I tell you today that there's a lot of lies going on about money. I mean, just, I mean... Just look at the great example that we have. We, we have. we have this great example from the United States government who is in like how many trillions of dollars in debt and yet they spend money next year like they have it? 
I mean, think about that for a second. I think I saw a commercial on television that said like nineteen trillion dollars or something like that. Uh, in, in, that that the United States government is in debt nineteen trillion dollars. How do they come up with the budget for next year and spend money? But if that's our example, then that's then that's that's all we have to go by to say, well, you know what? You just spend money you don't have. What did I say last week? The average American spends 136% of their annual income. That's 36% more than you actually had. If you're not careful, you'll believe in, you'll believe those lies. And, and, and it'll happen even in your marriage. Not just about finances. It'll happen in your marriage. It'll happen in your, your relationship. Listen, in your marriage, you, you'll start hearing the devil lie to you and say things like, isn't he better than what you've got? Isn't she prettier doesn't that look fun? And, and, and the devil, his big weapon is a lie. I mean, that is his big weapon. The devil will tell you that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, but he won't tell you that the water bill is way higher. Think about that. We need to come back to biblical principles, the ones that really work. Hey, in the book, I couldn't believe this. I found this on the internet, and I just like wanted just to bang my head on, on, on my laptop. In a book called The Day That America Told the Truth. It's a book, The Day That America Told the Truth. It, it's kind of sad and funny at all at the same time. The question was asked, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? 25% of the people that were polled in that said they would abandon their entire family. And, and, you know, that's a lie. Because listen, listen, I've never stood at the bedside of anybody that was dying that wanted more money at that moment. Every, every deathbed experience I have ever had with somebody, they were just longing for more family. Is so-and-so here yet? I, I've never stood beside, beside the bed of someone's dying that said, Hey, would you check my stock prices? But yet, 25% people in this, in this poll bought into the lie that, that money is the, is the end all of all satisfaction. And they would say that they would abandon their entire family. 25% also said they would abandon their church. I thought that was pretty interesting. 23% of the people polled said they would become a prostitute for a week or longer. Think about that for a second. Not too long, but think about it. <laughs> we don't want to get bogged down there, but... 16% of the people said they would give up their American citizenship. And these are the people that are voting. Anyway, 16% um, also said they would give up their spouse. They'd walk out on their marriage for $10 million. 10% of the people polled, I couldn't believe this, 10% of the people polled said they would, withhold with, they would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. But the scarier thing about that is is 7% said they would kill a stranger. <laughs> I'm just saying, this is your neighbor. Here we go. 3% of the people polled said they would put their children up for adoption. <laughs> and there are people in this room right now that are saying, hey, I'd do that for free. Does anybody want them? Just 
Three <laughs> percent, except for ten million dollars, they'd put their children up for adoption. All buying into see that's crazy. That's crazy. But yet they buying into a lie. And 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 and, and what is the root of all of that? Well, you kind of have to look at the biblical viewpoint and first recognize that people are self-absorbed. They want more things for themselves. They want to keep up with the Joneses. They want to take care of themselves. And the biblical word for that is pride. The seed of every bad road, maritally, financially, emotionally, you will, you will ultimately find a haughty spirit. Things that, that yell at you deserve it. But look at Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. The next stage of the prodigal progression is that if you let pride take its course, it will lead you to self-destructive behaviors. We end up where we don't want to be, and our lives get undisciplined. And, and I believe that's, that's what we need to do as a people. We need to take care of things, read the Bible, pray, go to church, nourish relationships, be generous. Life mismanagement always leads to some kind of self-destructive behavior. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. It seems harmless, but look where it leads. And if you're not careful, if you let that take its progression, you will go to the third stage of the prodigal progression. We isolate ourselves from those who can help us, from God and from others. At that point, we find ourselves in a dark place. Psalms 88 and 8 says, You have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. I wonder how many people are in that type of situation right now in their finances or in their life. I feel confined and I can't escape. I can remember, you know, when Raylene got, when we got ourselves in strapped with credit cards years ago, we were buying diapers for Baylor on a credit card. That's a bad idea, but we were desperate. And it took us years to crawl out from underneath that. Years. It was years of sacrifice. I mean, it was years of ramen noodle soup and more ramen noodle soup. I'll never forget the freedom that we felt when Raylene walked in the room and said, I sent the last payment from the last credit card. We have no credit card debt. Then we were able to start doing the debt snowball where we started taking care of cars and started paying things down and paying things off. And there was such freedom in that because now we're able to do some things that we weren't able to do before. We were out of the trap. We're no longer confined, and, and I really think that that's the good news for us because Raylan and I, we, we, we did some things, and we certainly took it to the Lord, and we took it to counsel, and we realized Psalm 34, 18 was true. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That the Lord is near, that God's not looking at any one of us with his arms folded going, do what? What did you just do? No, God is calling to us saying, if you're in a dark place, if things are a little mismanaged in your relationships, if things are mismanaged in your finance, then then let me show you a way out. And that's what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do here in this series. But but even next week, we're going to meet with people that want to participate in an ongoing 
financial connect group to, to, to say, you know, how can I do things better? How can I budget? How can I learn how to manage things better? And we're going we're gonna to start that. And the next week, we're going to have a great time just sitting down with people and for about 20 minutes and, and, and inquiring about what do you need and how can we make this connect group happen in your life? See, I don't care what you've done. You've never gone too far. It's never too late. We serve the God who can raise the dead, by the way. So, in Luke 15, we see the prodigal in this situation. Look at the 17th verse. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. So that's, that's the first way out. See, now we're going to backtrack. We know how he got there, but how do you work the steps back? How do you back yourself off of the dark place? How do you back yourself off of the isolation? How do you back yourself off of the mismanaged life and, and, the, and the pride thing that's happening in, in, in your world? How do you back yourself off? Well, the first thing he did was come to his senses. And I mean, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you don't have to, I'm going to say it again, you don't have to outdo last year's Christmas or the, or the neighbor's Christmas. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come to your senses and say, no, wait a minute. How, we we got we, we to just wake up to the fact that something's mismanaged here. And so the Bible says that he came to his senses. And, and then he said, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against Heaven and against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Um, make me like your hired servants. And so, and so the Bible says that he set out. So the, so the next step out is to say, I don't just need to come to my senses, but I need to set out. Therefore, I need a plan. I need a plan. How, how, how are we going to fix this? I mean, for Rayleigh and I on the credit cards, it was we pay off the smallest credit card first. And then we take the money we're paying for the smallest credit card and the second credit card and we combine those payments to pay that one off next. And, 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 and then we just kept doing that until finally there was no credit card debt. But you know another part of that plan? Stop accepting credit card applications that come in the mail. Okay, well... You know what I'm saying? I mean, we had to, st- we had to, stop, we had to stop using credit cards. You're never going to get it paid off and keep using it. Okay, anyway. You say, Pastor, do you have credit cards? Yes, we have credit cards. The credit card that I use has no revolving balance. You can't even have a, you have to pay it off at the end of the month. It's never charged, I've never been charged interest. Not a single dime of interest on that credit card. Because, well, that takes a plan. Takes a plan. All right. He didn't just think about it. He did. Is this too straight for y'all? But then, but then listen to this. He got up and went to his father. He did something. He did something. I, I'm encouraging you. Just start today. Go home. Start looking at the budget and just do something. Just figure, just do something. If you say, well, I can't even do it on my own. Then wait for next week and, and come to that class. Come to that 20-minute, hey, do y'all want to do a group that we can help people get out of this? And do, just do it. Okay. He got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said, and the, and the son talked about the plan, but the father had a different plan because the father's plan was not to make the son 
a debtor, the father's plan was not to put the son back in the confines and the trap. The father's plan was to restore the son. And the father's plan for every one of us is for restoration. The father's plan for us is restoration. Why? Because he wants us to be generous. He wants us not to live a life that is strapped. And so here it is. In a nutshell, I'm through. Here's the way out. Acknowledge the reality of where you are. Admit it. I need help. I'm in debt up to my eyeballs, impressing people who I don't even like. Okay? So, I'm in trouble. But understand that God doesn't expect you to do this alone. The Father's waiting on the porch. The help is waiting on the porch. David wrote in Psalm 51, Surely you desire truth. And really, that's all God wants from us today is just to tell the truth. Okay? We were believing a lie. Now we're going to tell the truth. I need help. I need help. But it's not enough just to have that feeling. We must do something about it. We've got to develop a plan of attack. The church is here to help you do that. That's why we're starting that group next week. The church is here to help you do that. But here's a good first step. Everybody take a deep breath. Don't overspend for Christmas. Good place to start. Good place to start. Don't add, don't add wood to the fire if you want the fire to go out. Okay? Ultimately, we need to learn to live by code. Dave Ramsey says this, debt is bad, saving is good, giving is fun, and stuff is meaningless. He lives by that code. Debt is bad, saving is good, giving is fun, and stuff is meaningless. But we start where we began. Humbly ask your Father God for help. 1 Peter 5 5 through 7. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And God does care for you. Would you stand with me? Bow your heads for the moment. We're going to pray. Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name for your help. There are people under the sound of my voice that feel strapped, and I I, I want them to find a way out of their trap, and I believe that they have that. I pray for your favor on the church and on the people of this church and on every one of our lives. We are convinced you are able to help us if we will get a plan, if we will humble ourselves before you, if we'll stop believing a lie, if we'll we'll submit ourselves to your biblical principles and your word I'm asking you for it in Jesus name that at least one of these things would grab our hearts that we would be able to do it in Jesus name keep your head bowed if you're here today you say I need a fresh start pastor I need you to pray for me I want want to be saved I want to recommit if that's you I'm not going to call you out in marriage would you just wave your hand at me right now and say "Pray pray with me today thank you so much thank you so much Thank you so much. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Can everybody pray with me? Say, Father, I give myself right now to your will and to your plan. I believe Christ died for me. 
and I declare him my Lord as God raised him from the dead. And right now, I submit myself. I thank you for helping me. I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen to that. Let's clap our hands to the Lord again. Come on. Hallelujah.